0: And welcome back to another edition of Champs Corner, the Alabama podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew Champlin. You can subscribe to the Champs Corner podcast featuring Mark Jennings on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, probably some other podcast devices, apps as well. We're going to talk about the Alabama Ole Miss game. It was a blowout just as Mark Jennings thought it would be. And he had a chance to go to the Hoover at Hewitt-Trustville game. The game was at Hewitt Trustville, so that's probably why Mark went. So, Mark, uh, you know, a lot of people say you're the best in the business, Uh, but first of all, thanks for joining us.
1: Drew, as always, it is the highlight of my week to be on your podcast and share my wealth of knowledge and expertise with you and your listeners and fielding their questions and talking about the last week's events, whether it's in terms of recruiting or performance on the field, whatever comes up in conversation. Drew, I I am thrilled to be on the podcast again. Drew, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I had a chance to watch the Alabama Ole Miss game. It was in Oxford. I was over at uh, Mountain Brook versus Spain Park on Friday night. I had a chance to see my good friend Coach Jake Collins helping out with the offensive game plan for Mountain Brook. Obviously, Alabama was on the road, so that did not give you a chance to enhance your Dipping Dots business. You know, that will Change obviously with Alabama hosting Texas A&M on Saturday at two thirty on CBS and, and and Athletics Director Greg Byrne entering into the agreement to bring Dippin' Dots to Coleman or to uh, Bryant Denny Stadium. Excuse me. How uh, do you have any in, any uh, improvements for your business plan going into Saturday's game?
1: We got a couple of surprises coming, Drew. But I'm going to let the customers see what they are for themselves. I'm not going to ruin it for everybody on the podcast. I'm just going to say. Come get some dipping Dots, and, and Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday against Texas A&M. It's going to be hot, from what I hear, and you're going to need to cool down with some, some refreshment. There's nothing better than dipping Dots. So come by on Saturday and get you some dipping Dots and see the new things that we have in the store. We're going to have yeah. some new flavors, Drew. I wasn't supposed to tell you, but we're, we're going to have some new flavors out there this weekend, and everybody should come by and try them.
0: How did you guys decide to do that?
1: Well, we you know, we did our focus groups, Drew, and they came back, and, and we had a – most people wanted their typical uh, Neapolitan flavors, your chocolate, your vanilla, your strawberry. But we had some more eccentric listeners, and they said they wanted to try – or some eccentric members of the focus group, and they said they wanted to try some new, some new flavors. So we're going to throw that out there this weekend.
0: We're going to see how it goes. Good deal. How is your – I know you hired uh... – a new guy to to run the operations or to maybe be your general manager of some speak. I, I can't remember his name, but how how is that going?
1: Caden, yeah, Caden's doing real well so far from from what we're looking at. You know, we're having we've been real successful so far. Uh, this weekend, he's actually gone. He and my wife went to a a business leader retreat that I paid for them to go and learn about all about managing a business and and really you know further sharpening his skills as a businessman. So they're up at Mount Sheehaw State Park this weekend, uh, at the business leaders retreat, and I expect him to come back uh, even even more brilliant than he already is.
0: Interesting. This is this Caden with a C or a K? It's
1: got a K. K and then two A's. K A A Y D E N. Caden. I was confused too when I first read his name on the res on his resume. Uh, you know, I thought he was maybe a foreigner from another country or something, but it turns out he is from Alabama, he just spells his name a little weird.
0: Okay, I don't know, maybe you hit the A extra time too much, but uh, yeah, I'm really glad you found him. It seems like your dipping Dots business is going to take that extra jump. I know you've got so much uh, you know, you you got your golf course obviously still, and then you're breaking down film.
1: Yeah, Drew, I'm really burning the candles at both ends, you know. I'm, I'm spending all day at the golf course and whatever, free time at night, I, I'm I'm breaking down film, and then Trying to find some time to get the dipping dots operation going. That's real, really where Caden's been coming in and really helping me out. He and my wife work really well together, and and uh, they've really got that thing up and running. So that helps me out. You know, this weekend they're gone. I didn't have the dipping dots to worry about, and I had my son, somebody else running the course for me this weekend. So I really got to catch up a lot with my breaking down film and really analyzing some of these big time prospects and really what happened, and also what happened to the college game on Saturday.
0: And and last off about the dip and dots, will you be at the game or at any game, uh any Alabama game coming out of season? As of
1: now, I feel pretty confident in in the ability of Caden to operate uh the, the to operate off the dip and dots uh franchise at this point himself. And so I I'm as as of now gonna be away from games. Um but if if something goes wrong Saturday, I always reserve the right to, to come back next week and Make sure everything stays on track. But as of now, Caden's doing such a good job with my wife.
0: Uh, I'm going to be staying away. So the listeners here should be asking for Caden and not for Mark. Jennings. Caden
1: with the K. Yeah, K A A Y D E N. Caden. All
0: right. Let's talk some football. I know on Friday night you had a chance to go out to Hewitt Trustville, and I know you don't like going to Hoover, but you like seeing Hoover play. Whoever was the number one team in 7A, at least I guess they were. I really didn't look at the rankings, but they had just, uh, beat Thompson, you know, pretty handily last week. Go to Hewitt Trustville, and Hewitt Trustville is a team that lost to Cedar Grove, Georgia earlier in the year. Um, Played Oak Mountain and, and gave up a lot of points. So, you know, people think, okay, Hewitt's going to score a lot, but they're going to give up a lot more. Not so much on Friday. They just demolished Hoover up 35, 14 at 1.1, 56 to 28. You went out to Trustville. Mark, how was your experience there?
1: I had a real good time, Drew. I, I like, I, I appreciate the fact the game was in Trustville and not Hoover. It's a little safer in Trustville. I, I, I feel comfortable leaving my truck unlocked. Um, you know, my, you know, have you seen my truck, Drew? Uh,
0: no. Do you not Uber anymore? Are you back to driving again uh, yourself? Well, you
1: know, sometimes Uber, sometimes I just like to get out and, and feel the road and drive. So I took my little and truck out there to trustful Uh, it's a fantastic truck, Drew. I love it so much. I just bought it thanks to my, my, the new wealth I've generated from my Dipping Dots franchise. But, to, I, I, when I go to Trussell, I feel pretty comfortable leaving my doors unlocked on the truck. So I, I, I don't mind going to it's, it's Compared to Hoover, it's it's pretty safe. Uh, you know, and, and so I feel good about going to Trussell.
0: Uh, Dotson. Is that that low rider uh, single cab pickup truck with the big letters on the back of it?
1: That's correct, Drew. Do you, do you own a Dotson as well?
0: No, but I think I had some friends who had Dotsons back in the day. So I just didn't know if we were getting our trucks mixed up here and there.
1: I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I drive a Datsun. It says so okay. on the truck and everything.
0: All right. Well, if anybody sees a Datsun, what color did you say it was? Blue. Blue. Okay. It's like
1: a it's like a light blue.
0: Light blue Datsun. Then it's then it very well may be you. Did you do you still have your driver's license?
1: I mean, I have it. Yeah. I mean, I have a physical card. I'm it expired a long time ago. But you know, I figure you know, ask for ask for forgiveness and not permission with that. So um, I probably should have told her that in case we got any uh, um, state troopers or something listening to the show coming to track me down. But no, I have, I have not renewed my license. Not All not right. in not in not since at least 2000.
0: All right, yeah, definitely. Uh, make sure you drive the speed limit there. But uh, if there's a team that was going fast, it was it was the Utah Trustful Huskies. Their Twitter handle at HuskyFast. More than 600 yards of total offense, uh, Paul Tyson, the Alabama quarterback, commit, 14 of 18 for 252 yards and two touchdowns. Really, it was the run game that dominated Armani Goodwin as a sophomore. He transferred from Florence this year. Hewitt-Trustville uh, does have a few players who have transferred from other high schools, and I know that makes things easier for you just so you can see more prospects at once. But 255 yards on 33 carries. And Mark, it seems like this is something you thought might be coming for Hoover and Hewitt
1: yeah I mentioned it to you this week off the air you know I didn't want to mention this on the podcast last week, but he watched the Hoover Thompson game from the week before. Hoover kind of struggled against the run the run defense was sort of uh, sort of spotty. Thompson didn't have the run game to take advantage of it, but Hewitt will thanks the Florence Armani as you just mentioned, they really did you know and and adding the fact that Hewitt's defense would get a bunch of pressure on the quarterback um it really had all the makings of a Hewitt Trussell victory. I thought Coach Rudy Griffin, who played at Alabama, now the Hewitt defensive coordinator, I thought he did a great job scheming against the Hoover offense. And it really turned out to be not even really a close game. You know, number one team going on the road, getting by four touchdowns. That's pretty surprising. Uh, but Hewitt Trussell has played a fantastic game. Yeah, let's
0: talk real quick about these. Uh, these Alabama commits, you know, we, we mentioned Tyson, and, and it seems like he was very efficient on Friday night. How would you really uh, describe his performance?
1: Yeah, I think efficient's a great word. He's 14 of 18, 252 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I thought he played a great game, really managed the game well. well you know, they put up a lot of points on the board, but it's not like they were dependent on him solely uh, for their offense. They have a real balanced offense over there. Uh, with that skilled running back and the skilled wide receiver we're going to talk about in a minute so i I was i was very impressed with paul tyson hewitt trustful um you know maybe you can learn a little more about paul tyson if he's in a situation where he has to throw for more yards and has to throw more than 18 times to win but when you're dominating line of scrimmage the way that hewitt trustful did he didn't have to show out too much
0: yeah we'll talk about the line of scrimmage in just a second. Hewitt Trustful has two junior commitments, two players in the junior class who are committed to Alabama. We have not comped them on this podcast. I know you've had some in mind, but we really when we took a little break, that's when Alabama got these kids committed. DeZalin Worsham is a really talented receiver. And uh, you know, I, I saw him play when, you know, Hewitt actually or, or Hewitt hosted Hoover in the second round of the seven-eight playoffs last year. Hoover blasted him in the second half, uh, but there was a really impressive play in in the first half, actually at the end of the first half, I think it was twenty to seven Hoover and uh you know Hewitt's back at their own twenty or something like that. Paul Tyson just fires a dart and Worsham, you know, he's a sophomore last year, catches it in traffic, takes off, he's off to the races, and that cuts Hewitt, uh Hewitt's deficit to about a touchdown going into the break. Hoover ran away with it in the second half, but man, that was a really impressive play on both ends. But tell us a little bit about DeZalen Worsham and your in your breakdown of him. I
1: like this kid a lot, Drew, as you mentioned, and you talked about the game last year. The game last night, he had 78 yards on six carries, but he really goes as a wide receiver. We're talking about a multi-purpose guy here. Some guy, a guy that you can line up in the slot or even at the X as a wide receiver. Then he could also come in and play in the backfield. Uh, so a lot of different things he could do. They use him a lot of different ways. So I was real impressed with him. He might be a lot of another multi-purpose guy. Who who out of, out of the South, I guess you could say, played in the SEC is going to have a really good career with the Green Bay Packers, and that's Randall Cobb. Do you remember Randall Cobb, Drew?
0: Yeah, is he out of uh, Maryville, Tennessee, somewhere in Tennessee, I think, around Nashville, maybe? I thought he was from Kentucky, Drew. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I think you. I think you played high school in in Tennessee somewhere. Oh, I, out-
1: oh you said. Oh, you said high school. I bet. Yes, he is from. Uh, State Alcoa High School, maybe? Yeah, Alcoa High School, State of Tennessee. It's very surprising that uh, uh, Tennessee coaches at the time let him go and and let him leave. I think they were going through some some coaching changes at the time. But Kentucky got on him, and they got a real fantastic player, to turn out to be a fantastic NFL player.
0: Yeah, he was a really fun player to watch in his college days. Yeah, worse some 78 yards, six catches, and he's just a guy that, yeah, he's, he's a tremendous player for, for you at Trussell. I expect, really look forward to seeing him grow up and – uh what he could do you know next year we'll have a new quarterback but you know by the time guys like jerry judy henry ruggs move on from alabama you know worsen will be coming in and getting started so and on the other side of the ball malachi moore is a kid who started as a sophomore last year cornerback play a little receiver if i remember right but mostly a cornerback and he's gonna he's always gonna be guarding you know the other team's best player When, when hewitt played cedar grove he was uh he had J. Don Hazelwood, who's you know a lot of people think he's the top receiver in this year's class. He was guarding him. How did he look on Friday night, Mark?
1: I thought Malachi Moore was the best player on the field. To be real honest with you, uh, he's only about five feet eleven. He's only about one hundred and seventy pounds at this point. He's getting a little bigger, but as a cornerback, he he locked down George Pickens pretty good. You know, George Pickens, a guy who's playing all these teams from all over the country and having these big games, he didn't do a whole lot against uh, Malachi Moore. I thought Malachi Moore is the best player on, on the field Friday night, to be honest with you. Uh, you look at Malachi Moore play, look at his height, look at his size, look at his body shape, he's going to be able to put on a little more weight, uh, a little more muscle, and still keep his speed. He reminds me a lot of a guy out of the state of California, uh, Northern California, I believe. He went to Washington to play college football. He's in the NFL now. A really fantastic NFL player, a guy by the name of Marcus Peters.
0: Do you remember Marcus Peters, Drew? Yeah, I believe so. And uh, he is he went he's out of Oakland, California. Is it the Marcus Peters is that the one you're talking about?
1: That, that is correct. The Oakland is Northern California, Drew. Very
0: good. Yeah, uh, there's, there, Marcus Peters is a common name, so I don't know if there's any more of them over there. But yeah, if, they, if it's the same one, he's. Playing with the Rams now, started his first three years with the Chiefs, and then he got traded in the offseason. Hated to see that, but he's a, he's a really talented player. How about Pierce Quick? We've talked about him a lot. How did the five-star offensive tackle look? He committed to in before his junior year started.
1: You know, I think this is one of the subscription sites got it right. Pierce Quick's a five-star player in all the subscription sites. I agree with that. Uh, he, he looked like it and moved the line. Uh, really just had his way with the Hoover defensive linemen and moving them around and and, and just – not only that, but the few times that Paul Tyson did drop back the pass, uh, he provided great protection. So uh, I thought Pierce Quick had a fantastic game, and he looks like every bit like the five-star recruit that he's been made out to be. We talked about it before. I compared him to Willie Rofe. I got some criticism on that. Uh, a lot of people who are jealous of my success as a recruiting analyst uh, and envious of, of, of my wealth, uh, they didn't like that very much. But That's fine. I stand by my comparison that Pierce Quick
0: is, is Willie Rofe. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I've seen Pierce play a few times. You know, Willie Rowe's nickname was Nasty, and that's a good way to describe Pierce Quick out there on the field. So, uh, you know, Hoover, Robbie Ashford had such a great game, the young quarterback last week against Thompson. Just 8 of 23 for 139 yards. He threw a touchdown pass to Pickens early. I think that put Hoover up 7-0. They also threw a pick six to defensive lineman Eric Taylor. He's a guy that's a young prospect to watch, and then threw another one later. So, how was Hewitt able to slow down Ashford, who is a guy who has SEC offers from schools like Georgia, Missouri, and Auburn?
1: Well, I think a lot, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of the credit goes to former Alabama defensive lineman Rudy Griffin. Really, uh, you know, in these big Alabama high schools, these 7A schools, uh, uh, you know, coaching's hard. You got a lot of great coaches out there all across the board and, and even on the staff. You got a lot of guys who are coordinators uh, that are more than qualified to be head coaches at, at maybe 5A or 6A schools, but they're 7A offensive the defense coordinators waiting for their shot. Rudy Griffin just did a fantastic job as a defense coordinator for Hewitt Trussell. He really does a great job of studying the field and breaking it down. And excellent when it comes to halftime adjustments. Uh, it's very hard. Uh, not a lot of coaches at the high school level are very effective. And making adjustments at halftime, but I think Rudy Griffin's really excelled in this area, and he really showed it against Hoover the other night.
0: Absolutely, I had a chance, as I mentioned, to see. This is tying back to Alabama, uh, Spain Park, and Mountain Brook, and uh, Jay Barker, former national championship quarterback winner, his son, youngest son Harrison, is a junior. He didn't start the game, uh, but as you know, when Spain Park got down twenty-four to fourteen, he came in. Last drive, last ditch, moved him down the field, moved the Jaguars down the field against Mountain Brook. Did throw an interception in the end zone, but had you know, he completed a nice fourth and about nine or ten to set them up inside the ten. Just didn't, you know, couldn't get that last touchdown for the Jaguars. You know, as Coach Sean Rainey said he's gonna go back and look at the film, evaluate his quarterbacks, but I will be seeing Hewitt, which should be ranked number one in seven A, maybe behind uh, they could be behind Central or McGill tulin but uh, I'll see them at Spain Park Friday. And, uh, yeah, it could be interesting. Maybe Harrison Barker will be the starting quarterback. I'd be looking forward to seeing him and uh, maybe coming back and asking you for your evaluation.
1: I might do that. Do you you think Jay will be at the game?
0: Yeah, Jay. I would imagine, you know, being his father, Jay should be at the game.
1: Well, if you see him, tell him I said hello. Tell him hello for Mark. Um, If you can't recognize him, he'll he'll be the one wearing a hat. Uh, I believe they call it a fedora these days. I'm not sure what the kids call it, but – but he'll be the one wearing a hat. Tell him Mark said hello.
0: Okay, it will be like a baseball cap, or is that just endorsed?
1: It could be a ball cap. He was going through a fedora phase for a while. I don't know if he's still doing that, but it'll be some sort of hat. I can't tell you. You know, I don't know exactly what type of hat. You know, probably since it's a football game, it'll be like a ball cap that people wear. But he could go with the fedora. I don't know. It could. It could. He has a variety of hats from which he could choose. And I, I'm not going to text him that day and ask him what kind of hat he's wearing. So you'll have to find him without it or with just knowing he's wearing a hat.
0: I'll be sure to look for the guy wearing a ball cap. Hey, let's talk about some college football. Alabama 62, Ole Miss 7. My good friend Barrett Salee of CBS Sports, serious uh, XM Radio. Uh, he he uh, predicted that Ole Miss would win this game, and it was really met with a lot of like, what are you thinking, buddy? Uh, Barrett's a good guy. I like Barrett a lot. Uh, he was pretty well wrong here. You know, some people may have thought Ole Miss would cover a 28 point spread or whatever it was, but uh, what do you think Barrett was seeing here?
1: I'm not totally sure what he is seeing, Drew. I thought, I thought it was a pretty silly pick as well, but you know, you know, Barrett's, Barrett's, as you said, you know, I know Barrett personally I've known him for years. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he's, he's not out there just making wrong predictions all the time. You know, he's pretty good with his predictions rate. You know, not everybody could be like myself and, 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 you know, have it guaranteed that all their predictions will come true because they're always right. Not everybody can be that, and that's fine. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit there and and talk about Barrett Sally like he's Tom Lugan, Bill or something. You know, Barrett Sally Sally cares about the game, uh, and just he's wrong a couple of times. There's no need to, to to you know exile him from 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 college football journalism because he picked something wrong.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the game. Tua Tungabailoa started, uh, you know, he threw a couple touchdown passes. But, man, the first play of the game, uh, Jordan Tamu, Ole Miss takes the ball. He goes 75 yards deep down the left sideline. D.K. Metcalf, who was an elite receiver coming out of high school three years ago. He burns Alabama's Savion Smith, and Ole Miss goes up. 7-0, 7 nothing, about 11, 12 seconds into the game, and those were their only points after that. It was all downhill. But what happened on that first touchdown?
1: Yeah, you know, I broke down the game film today on the All-22. When you look at, you know, he's being covered at the time by Savion Smith. And you look at Savion Smith, his pre-snap alignment was all off. His feet were in the wrong way, pointing the wrong direction. He wasn't in the correct position in order to maximize the agility of his hips. So it was a lot more difficult for him to turn around and chase. It it just wasn't, you could tell from the beginning of the play, you could look at it and say, well, what cornerbacks most likely get burned this play for Alabama. You can just look at the pre-snap and say it's probably going to be Savion Smith. So uh, I could tell, you know, before the play started, they are going to go to Metcalf, It's going to be a completion and and for a huge gain, and that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, so obviously Alabama answers. They you know put together a very quick scoring drive, capped off forty-three yard touchdown run from Damian Harris. The next play, uh, Tua to Jerry Judy for a seventy-nine yard gain. He had a ten-yard touchdown from Najee Harris, seven-yard or twelve-yard touchdown pass from Tua to Herb Smith Jr. Two of uh, eleven to fifteen for one hundred ninety-one and two hundred ninety-one yards, two touchdowns. He didn't come out until late in the second quarter and didn't didn't even come back in the rest of the game. They did play Jalen Hurts, but it wasn't a scheduled, you know, put him in in the fourth series. They just pretty much put him in when it was, you know, the game was pretty much over with by then. Jalen Hurts, 7 of 10, two touchdowns, threw a nice back shoulder pass to Judy for a score. Did throw an interception, but good to see him take that chance, I thought. 85 yards, Mac Jones got some mop-up duty. What did you think about the quarterback's performances, Mark?
1: Well, you know, Tua McLaughlin showed out like he always does. That's not really surprising. Um, I, I think Jalen Hurts has improved significantly since last year. You know, I, I think what's really important here for, for if you're an Alabama fan is Dan Enos has really done a remarkable job with the quarterbacks and seeing how they've improved. I thought last year, you know, Brian Dayball's an NFL guy. He's not much, or he, you know, he's not really into development of player because he comes from a league where everybody's already developed or should be. Now, the college game's is a little different. I think that Dan Enos has done a great job with both quarterbacks, and that's why you've seen such fast improvement for both of them.
0: Yeah, and it's what's really impressive about Tua is uh, Tua has quarterbacked, I think, 20 of Alabama's 39 drives, and that that number could be slightly off, but I think that's about right. On those drives, he has produced ninety nine points that 's four point nine points per drive. If you extrapolate that out to the thirty nine drives, I had the four non offensive touchdowns, you know maybe Alabama's averaging seventy three points per game with two in and the and the uh, the offense fully engaged for all four quarters and it's it's really impressive and you think about it, you know some points were lost uh you know uh, Devontae Smith had a fumble in the first game. Henry Ruggs had a fumble. On these are both on first down receptions, and uh, you know a couple of, of his punt drives were with uh, you know when they were up forty to nothing against Arkansas State. So yeah, that's five point five points per drive with Alabama averaging eighty points a game with two in and o- and the offense planning to score. So that, that's very impressive, Mark. And I know I know you've seen that as well. But could you imagine Alabama playing Ole Miss and just leaving two in? Could they have cracked the century mark or something like that?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't know. We're t- I, I don't like to talk much about hypotheticals. You, you, you know, I, you know, you want to have, you know, so at some point you want to go home and, and take the buses back home, and you're not going to want to keep scoring. You just want to get the game over with. You know, I, I, I think you know if you watch the game, you'd probably figure that Alabama could have named their score if they wanted to. It was forty nine to seven at halftime. You know they could have scored seven, or eight more touchdowns in the second half if they wanted to. Ended up scoring 20 points, I think. Uh, but but yeah, this is a situation where against these defenses, these really subpar defenses they played so far this year, uh, they they're going to be able to name name the point total. And so yeah, I think I think 80 points is probably a fair assessment of what they could have done pretty easily, considering they scored I think 60 62. So. I think that's, that's well, that was well within the realm of possibilities.
0: So, uh, Mark, uh, Jerry Judy, three catches, 136 yards. And what about Judy's play? Tell, me, tell us a little bit about his first touchdown, what made that work, and uh, what makes Jerry Judy such a great player?
1: Well, on, on his first touchdown pass, I believe it was third and nine, uh, went by 80 yards, I think. Uh, you, you look at the safety, the safety's out of alignment, and the safety didn't cover the middle of the field. Uh the the safety gleaned over and that left Judy who was in the slot on the play one on one. He was just be able to beat his uh his defender and it was really a perfect throw by 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 Tua to get it to him right in the stride. You know, it ended up being a touchdown, but that throw is is off by just a little bit. Uh Judy might have been able to still catch it, but it wouldn't have been such a big gain, you know, might have had to the, to wait and hold off for it or adjust his momentum to go get it. So uh know, Jerry Judy, his ability to get open in space. Is really spectacular. We saw it later on the sideline play. Uh, the ability to control your body uh, and, and be athletic enough to control your body that way on the sideline and stop and, and spin and turn around. He, he stepped out of bounds, but wasn't by, wasn't by much. Uh, that's just some incredible athleticism uh, on the part of Jerry Judy. You know, I remember a few years ago, I went down to a Tilted Kilt uh, for his commitment announcement from South Florida. Uh, what might have been one of my first trips to see a commitment? I, I can't remember. I've been to so many and been all across the country these days. Uh, but but ever since then, I saw his film and and I saw I believe I saw him in person. Uh, you knew right at the bat he has superstar potential. Uh, some concern I believe I have him in high school was that he uh, he wouldn't didn't, wouldn't go all out on every play, but that certainly seems to be a problem that has been fixed by uh, since then. You know, I compared him to Stephen Baker. Coming out of high school, I, I believe that comparison is pretty spot on with the type of success he's having already in his career. So uh, Jerry Drew's is a super talented, uh, freaky athletic guy, uh, good route runner. Uh, he's turned into a very coachable player that helps. He has the best quarterback in the country throwing to him.
0: No doubt about it. Alabama hosts Texas A&M on Saturday at two thirty. Be sure to watch it on CBS. Be sure to get some dip and dots if you're at the game. Mark, let's take some listener questions. Can you tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter and uh, in any other mode of communication? Absolutely,
1: Drew. You know, we get some great questions from the listeners every week, and I look forward to seeing what the questions are going to be this week. If you want to find me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can email me. My email address is MarkBreaksDownFilm at AOL.com. That's one word. Mark breaks down film at AOL.com. You can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. Either one of those is great. I love hearing from you guys and, and you guys always have some great
0: questions. Yeah, we hear from Laquan. We haven't heard from Laquan in quite a while for the podcast. We're glad to see Laquan's doing better or he's still around. Uh he asks is Dax Hill going to Michigan? And this is a five star safety. Some people think he's the number two twelve overall recruit in the country out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So is he going to Michigan or is he going somewhere else?
1: Well, <laughs> you know, no one's real sure at this point. We know he was pretty close to committing at the Alabama over the summer. Uh, turned out not to be the case. I believe he's waiting to see or waiting for the season to get over before he, he does anything else. Uh, he has a lot of people in his, in his corner uh, wanting to go to Mich- want him to go to Michigan, but he hadn't committed yet. And so uh, – I think it's really a toss-up at this point between Alabama and Michigan, and and, uh, you know who does the better job recruiting at this point. I think Alabama, of course, has an advantage because Michigan uh, hasn't had the best year so far. They lost uh, lost Notre Dame a couple weeks ago, and I think it's a situation you want to see how the Michigan program is doing and if they can improve upon uh, what they've done the past three or four years before he makes the final decision.
0: Yeah, next we have a basketball recruiting question, and I think this comes from Bama Pro Updates, and uh, and you didn't really like this question very much last week, but Bama Pro Updates has a question about Trendon Watford, and he says, uh, Mark, I saw where one of the paid subscription services had, tr- has Trendon Watford, the six seven six eight forward as a crystal ball projection to Alabama. Are you hearing anything out of Mountain Brook?
1: Well, I'm hearing some stuff, but it's not always out of Mountain Brook. Uh, you know, you know, I can't reveal all my sources. I'm just going to say that, that it's pretty cl- As close as you can get to a, a toss-up at this point. I, I think if I had to choose right now, I would say Alabama, but I don't feel very confident in that. You know, I know Coach Hardaway at Memphis, he's a great coach and a, and a fine man, and, and Memphis would be a fantastic pick for Trenton Watford. Uh, I, I don't think Mr. Trenton Watford knows what he's going to do at this point. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, when he verbally makes his decision. Yeah. I this, wish I had better info for you, Drew. But yeah. uh, this, I don't want to lie to your listeners, you know,
0: how Well, that at, least, is. at least Bama Pro Updates, you seem to like his question better this week than you did last week. You really went in on him last week.
1: He did. I, I get, my only guess is he had somebody help him with this question this week. You know, maybe give him some advice on how to ask better questions. I don't know. But
0: it was a significantly better question. It's possible, and that's Okay. Uh, Bama Collector at Bama Collector on Twitter asks, do you think it's proper for college football broadcasters to constantly complain about the refs on their radio broadcasts? And he doesn't specifically name one, but, you know, maybe he's talking about the Auburn radio announcers just absolutely going insane when LSU you know, gets a couple of pass interference penalties. And you, know, and you probably you probably you may have seen those calls. And then drives down and beats Auburn on a last-second field goal at, at Auburn. And Rod Bramlett and Stan White weren't real happy about that. And I believe those the, the last few minutes of their calls may be online somewhere. So is that professional or is that proper? Well,
1: yeah, I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you what, what's proper and what's not for a, for a radio broadcast team. You know, that's up to them. And, and, you know, as a capitalist myself, you have to do what's best for you and your your enterprise, and if they want to have Homer announcers on the enterprise, that's fine. Uh, good for them. My advice always is, is don't listen to the game on the radio and watch the game on TV and turn the sound off. It's very difficult to get a clear picture of what's going on in the game when you have know-nothing broadcasters in your ear all the time. You can watch the game you should be able to figure what's going on. You actually get a better sense of it if you know the game without any audio at all. So my advice is when you watch the games, do what I do and watch without any audio. When I go to the game, I bring earplugs and I plug them in and that way I don't have any noise around me and, and I can't hear anything and I get to focus on the game. And it's really a, a significantly better experience than than you know having somebody explain the game to you. I've never understood why you need someone to explain to you what's going on in the field when you can see it. That's never made a bunch of sense to me. So... Buy yourself some good earplugs and watch the game on TV. Or when you go to the game, uh, put the earplugs in the stands. And you can really – it's a much better experience that way. And it really makes you a better fan because it helps you realize what's going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Gene Lavall tweets uh, at Mark Jennings, Is it possible for Alabama to recruit a quarterback better than Tua or is it all downhill after this?
1: Well, you know – Two is a generational talent. You know, I, I I made the trip to Hawaii a couple of years ago to see him play. I wouldn't have gone to, to Hawaii to see some three-star, uh, you know, play football. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be downhill because, you know, he's just a generational player and the likelihood of someone as good as him going to Alabama uh, coming up soon is, is, is pretty slim. I like Talia a lot. And I think Talia has an opportunity to be a fantastic college quarterback but I, have a, I don't see him being as, as, or as having the success as his brother does. So, um, you know, is it all downhill? Well, I guess in the way he worded it, yes. But, but with the talent that Alabama has coming in at quarterback, it's not going to be a huge drop off.
0: Yeah, we hear from Paul T. Graham, and he, uh, he says Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp, who's now a TV personality some for some station. Made a comparison on Twitter involving Alabama safety Deontay Thompson. As the best in the business, particularly at player comparisons, how do you rate Shannon Sharp's comparison game? And uh, are you aware of this? Do you know who Shannon Sharp compared him to? I I do not, Drew. What comparison did he make? Shannon Sharp tweeted, In 14 years of playing in the NFL, Ed Reed was the greatest safety I studied on tape, uh, spelled it G-R numeral 8 E-S-T. Thompson's range in ball skills reminds me of Reed. I'm not saying he'll be that, but this kid jumps on the screen. And Ed Reed, that, that that really sounded off an alarm in my head.
1: Well, I mean, it's a great comparison, Drew. It's the exact same comparison that I made
0: a long time ago. Yeah, um, and you, you reiterated that on the podcast two weeks ago. Yeah, I made
1: this comparison three years ago. I, yeah. I compared Deontay Thompson to Ed Reed. So this is not news to me. I'm glad to see that people that get, get paid lots of money to share their opinions are finally coming around to, to my way of thinking. Maybe they'll start saying more, you know, smarter stuff every once in a while. But yeah, I, I, I mean, he's right. I, this is the way I was right three years ago. It was a correct comparison.
0: Yeah. I wish he could have uh, correctly sourced you or cited you to his 636,000 followers. I, I'm not worried about that. All
1: right. I'm not
0: worried about that.
1: Shannon's a good friend. I've known him for a long time back since he was a high school player in Georgia. I'm
0: not worried about that at all. All right. We'll move on then. Uh, Rob Pearson tweets at Mark Jennings, Is it true you first noticed Tua starting to have cramps toward the end of the first quarter? I was told you first pointed out to some mutual good friends. And I think I want to say cramps are the reason that Tua came out. Uh, That might have been said on the TV broadcast.
1: Yeah, you know, you could tell by well, the way he was kinda of limping around it was cramps, you know, it wasn't obvious they didn't have medical people working on him, it was cramps, you know. And you know, it is in the south through it's real humid and when you're an actor, and you're sweating a lot, you cramp up real easily. That's not surprising. So um but yeah, that was pretty easily noticeable um after a few drives in the game that he was gonna start cramping and he did, so uh that was that wasn't a surprise at all.
0: Yeah. Donna May at Nana HX three um, she asked Mark Jennings, 5-5, five, five, when will the field goal kickers realize when they are setting up for their field goal that every time they take two large steps to the left, the kicked ball always misses to the left? If they didn't hook their swing with their leg, they would kick it straight, exclamation point. And I guess she's talking about kickers in general.
1: Well, you know, I, she, she makes a good point. Um, you know, the way kicking has, has evolved, you, you get a lot more torque, Uh, when you, you know, when you go to the left, it's like when you take your golf swing, you know, you get, you get more strength on your golf swing when you don't go straight back, you got to turn some. And that's what kickers are doing with the ball. So, um, the key is though, to make sure just like in golf, you, when you hit the ball, you're even with the ball. Now that does make it much more difficult when you take the two steps to your left. So she's correct there. Um, you know, we talked about this some last week, uh, with with the Alabama kicker, how he was his you know he was lining up incorrectly, and when you start lining up incorrectly, it disturbs the whole kinematic motion, and his dynamics are all off, and that's what happened to him. And you can see the same thing with the uh, the missed field goal this week, so that's not surprising. But yeah, you know, field goal kicking is very difficult already, um, you know you don't get as much distance on the ball as, you know, when you go straight back and that's why they're moving something to the left these days to get more torque. And it's very difficult to do and it's a hard job. So, um, you know, there's a trade off there between distance and, and accuracy. And you don't want to have a straight-on motion when you're at the two-yard line and then have to go back two yards to the left, back and to the left when you're at the 40-yard line to get more strength. You want to have one constant motion that you do every time and and it get develop some muscle memory uh, to have it go correctly. And sometimes it doesn't go correctly, and that's why you
0: see kickers uh, miss field goals. Absolutely. That's a great question observation there, Donna. Well, that is a good way to end up in this week's podcast, the Champs Corner podcast featuring Mark Jennings. Search that on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox. Subscribe, leave a five-star rating and review. Please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way for this podcast to to uh, expand. You can follow at MarkJennings55 on Twitter. Follow me at Drew Champlin. Mark, thanks again for coming on and sharing your, your wealth of expertise and knowledge.
1: Drew, as always, it's fantastic to come on the podcast. I will talk to you again next week, and and we'll discuss some some more Friday nights high school matchups and what happened on the field in college on Saturday.
0: Great. Thank you guys so much for listening.